The full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is contained in the Book of Mormon, period. Remember this declaration by Jesus himself. Whoso treasureth up my word shall not be deceived. And in the last days, neither your heart nor your faith will fail you. Welcome to episode 113 of the Book of Mormon podcast. It's Kevin and Shelby here. Hey, everyone. And this week, we are diving back in to chapter 22. We're going to make it through chapter 23 of the Book of Alma. Um, so where to pick back up? First of all, we took a week off. Yeah. As I was to say, we took a week off because we had family Yep. and there was just a lot going on. We didn't really have a place to record without a bunch of noise, yeah. to be honest. So, but we're here and we're excited. So we hope you enjoyed your Christmas and your new years with your families, but I think we just begin to answer your original question, Kevin, right, right where we left off in 22. Yeah. Oh, for well, sure. no, you had some thoughts on um, President well, Nelson. Well, yeah, but it's, it's, yeah, you're right. We're okay. going back straight into verse 27. It talks about a proclamation is sent throughout the land. And this was a proclamation sent by King Lamoni's father who is Mm -hmm. the king over all the land. And yeah, like you said, Mm -hmm. I had, I drew a parallel between a story, this story and a story that President Nelson shared a couple conferences back, I think going on three or four years ago. Mm -hmm. And it was in his talk titled, What Would Your Life Be Without the Book of Mormon? And he talks about how he met an African king you know, in his work as an apostle of Jesus Christ going about and traveling. And he tells the king about the Book of Mormon. He kind of introduces what it is, and the the king is stoked. (laughs) And he says, if I join your church, I'll go back and get all my people to join your church too. (laughs) And President Nelson says, King, it doesn't work like that. (laughs) Conversion is a personal thing. And what I love about this story of King Lamoni's father is that, you know, we know that he's kind of a hard man. Right. And the gospel of Jesus Christ softened his heart. It converted him. But he now is sending this proclamation of religious freedom so that everyone can choose to worship how they want. They don't have to convert to the same faith that he converted to now. And what you just said reminds me of something that Joseph Smith said about religious freedom. Um, He said he would be just as willing to die for a Presbyterian or a Catholic to have their religious freedom, uh, just like we as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints need religious freedom too. Right. Right. And so that makes me draw the parallel here with the King. He, he realizes that, that even if you don't join, you know, what Aaron has just taught me (laughs) 
I still want you to have the freedom to worship how you please. Right. So. And, you know, in the latter days, we also see from our church leaders the importance of defending religious freedom, not our own religious thought, right? right. Not just our preferences, but all religious freedom, because Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, they want us, all of us, all of the human family to choose to return to live with them. Mm-hmm. How that happens is going to be different for everybody. Some are going to make that decision here on earth, some in the spirit world. Um, but they have to be able to choose. And that agency is so crucial to the gospel plan that that our father created. So yeah. um, nevertheless, back to the scriptures. For, for the rest of chapter 22... After it talks about this proclamation that's sent forth. I was kind of, if I can jump in here, I was kind of stumped. And we talked about oh, yeah. this because I was reading basically from 27 all the way to 35. I was reading it. And if you guys have read it, <laughs> it's a lot about like where lands are. Okay. <laughs> like where the Nephites are, where the Lamanites are, like on this south of the border on like, like. I just, I was reading it and I remember talking to Kevin and I'm like, what's the purpose mm-hmm. of putting all of this, like where the divisions are between where Lamanites stand and where Nephites stand and why? And because we were doing the podcast not last week, but the week before, you know, and this is when we decided that we'd split it up and, and try and ponder and talk about it. And I did have some thoughts, but I just remember thinking, what's the purpose? Why, why is this in here? But I think it is very crucial. One thought I did have was that it's very crucial to know where the lands are and the divisions are for the upcoming war chapters that come up in Alma. Alma is very much a lot of wars and fighting. And so um, I think that's essential to understand where these lands were and to kind of get your bearings so you can understand these things. So one thought that is probably pretty obvious to anybody who reads it and who has read past Alma at this point knows that war chapters are coming here. And so it's good to understand maybe their tactics and learn from it, you know. For sure. You said yourself that something that you picked up from reading was that the the Nephites mm-hmm. had positioned themselves on the north side mm-hmm. and therefore they they were not surrounded and they could they could actually flee northward mm-hmm. if they needed to yeah and the lord's people if they're if they're wise they know that it sometimes is necessary to flee into the wilderness because of oppression yeah and if i can i want to read so in 33 it says it's kind of in the middle it says Thus the land of Nephi and the land of Zarahemla, which is where a lot of Nephites are dwelling, were nearly surrounded by water, there being a small neck of land between the land northward and the land southward. And so in 33, it says, um, you know, the Nephites inhabited the land bountiful from the east to the west. And it says the Nephites in their wisdom with their guards and their armies had hemmed in the Lamanites on the south that thereby they should have no more possession on the north, 
but then that they might not take the land up north, right? And then in 34, it gives more insight into this whole being able to flee thing because it says, now this was the wisdom in the Nephites as the Lamanites were an enemy to them. They would not suffer their afflictions on every hand and also that they might have a country whether they might flee according to their desires. So what I wrote here was that they, they prepared, but they weren't acting in fear like, oh my gosh, they're going to overtake us. They just learned their lesson, right? They've learned from the history of, of the hatred, the eternal hatred that Lamanites have towards them, knowing that they'd be dumb to think that <laughs> the Lamanites are never going to come up again them, against them, right? So that's why they have this part of the land northward, how they position themselves. So the Nephites are on the south or on the west or, you know, but they have a place they can run up north. And it just reminded me of that scripture if ye are prepared, ye shall not fear. So they had a plan, and it was a plan of faith. It was not a plan out of fear. It was, you know, we know the history. We know what's going on. Very much like our times today, we can look at the world. We can see things. We can see trends, and and it's important that we have a spiritual place to run to, maybe even a physical place, a plan. You know, um, and anyway, I'm just drawing parallels to our own day, but oh yeah, but yeah, I just wanted to make the point that they didn't do it out of like fear of like oh my gosh what are we gonna do it was just a very much a faithful plan in my opinion of this is where we go we need to go yeah definitely so yeah that's the second reason i thought they gave this whole or mormon put the whole outline of all the lands (laughs) and you know i know that each ponderer of the Book of Mormon as they read is going to find something uh, in here in these several verses that helps them understand the gospel and the Lord's covenants with his people better as as you do prayerfully ponder them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we come across things in the Book of Mormon and, and we do ask ourselves, like, why is this in there? That's a wonderful question to ask mm-hmm. because you're you're asking the Holy Ghost, teach me something, and it will. Yeah. Moving to chapter 23. Yeah, so break in the story, right? right? Like just this land of proclamation mm-hmm. went out, and now we talked about that, and now break back to Aaron and his brethren, the sons right. of Mosiah. It it comes back in verse 1 of chapter 23. Behold, now it came to pass that the king of the Lamanites sent proclamation among all his people that they should not lay their hands upon Aaron, uh, excuse me, Ammon or Aaron or Omner or Hemnite, nor either of their brethren who should go forth preaching the word of God in whatsoever place they should in any part of their land. So it's, it's legalizing the missionary work mm-hmm. right it, it goes so far as to say that the, which is interesting this decree if you will of religious freedom begins with you you should not harm people because of their beliefs mm-hmm. you should not put your hands on them or confine them and throw them into prison 
that's so that's true. that's the first thing it talks about. <clears throat> and then in verse two, he sent a degree among them that uh oh, and that kind of I, I guess well, I jumped the gun a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I was about to say it was actually verse in two. verse two, but you you got there, so it's okay. right. <laughs> well, and it, it I mean in verse one and verse two it talks about they should not lay their hands upon them. Mm-hmm. They should not bind them or cast them into prison, right? Right. Uh, they should also not spit upon them, disrespect them, and so on and so forth. And that they should have free access to their houses and also their temples and their sanctuaries, which is interesting. You know, this freedom even extends to, you know, their their ability to go onto property hmm. and teach. And it gives them access to... But maybe, you know, not not that they can just walk up into your house, but the, the intent there is maybe they're allowed to go door to door. That's what I would think. Right. Yeah. Um, I just want to point out that this is a, I wrote in my notes, I told Kevin this before the podcast, I put cultural game changer. Mm. Because for so long, this never, never existed, right? It was just this misunderstanding of the intention of the Nephites and why they would come to the Lamanites to try to, and some of them still don't believe. Okay. But the fact that this is happening is a really big game changer um, in this culture of the people of the Lamanites and the Nephites. But, oh, sorry, what were you going to say? No, and, that, and that was part of the mission statement that yeah. Ammon and all of his brethren were, they made at the very beginning. Which, if you think about it, can seem, I don't know, I think they knew it was possible because uh, they had such faith in the Lord. But me, a reader, thinking, how in the heck are they going to accomplish that? It almost seems impossible. But we know with the Lord, all things are possible, right? And so, yeah, verse 3, I think, um, I I asked Kevin, hey, where's that scripture where they, <laughs> where they said their, what do you call it, their desires? Yeah. Yeah. What we've been calling their mission statement. Mission right? statement. Thank you. I was blinking. Mission statement. And it's in Alma 17, kind of verses 8 through 11. I linked it there at the beginning of verse 3 when it says, And thus they might go forth and preach the word according to their desires. For the king had been converted unto the Lord and all his household. So, and then further down in that verse, it says that his, that his people might be convinced concerning the wicked traditions of their fathers, which is part of the mission statement, and that they might be convinced that they were all brethren and that they ought not to murder, plunder, steal, commit adultery, or commit any manner of wickedness. So we see a little recap of that mission statement there. So once again, desires being fulfilled, right, Um, by the sons of Mosiah. Um, But yeah, at this point, since religious freedom has been established, Desires are being answered. Um, they're no, they're now going from city to city and basically establishing a church, the church of Jesus Christ. And they're pretty successful at it, like actually really successful. <laughs> yeah, in verse 5 it says, And thousands were brought to the knowledge of the Lord, yea, thousands were brought to believe in the traditions of the Nephites, and they were taught the records and prophecies which were handed down even to the present time. In verse 6 says, And as sure as the Lord liveth, so sure as many as believed, 
or as many as were brought to the knowledge of the truth, through the preaching of Ammon and his brethren, according to the spirit of revelation and of prophecy and the power of God working miracles in them. Yea, I send to you, as the Lord liveth, as many of the Lamanites as believed in their preaching and were converted unto the Lord, never did fall away. So, you know, working miracles, that's, that's what the spirit of revelation and of prophecy did for these Lamanites. And that miracle is that it got so, it got the gospel so deep in their hearts that they never fell away. And you might think, well, that's great. And you might even know some people who were converted to the gospel and they've never fallen away and, they, and you don't believe they ever will. Mm-hmm. However, what makes this so powerful is that, as we will see, these Lamanites who are converted, they are, they are persecuted heavily. Hmm. And so the fact that they never fall away is a testament not only to their faith, but to, to this miracle. So I have um, two things I want to say. One, Kevin referenced a talk earlier by President Nelson in the very beginning, and I wanted to say where it was from. It's from October 2017. Okay, now back to this verse that Kevin just read. I'm going to reference another talk from October 2012 by Elder Bednar. It's called Converted Unto the Lord. And he brings up this specific verse and talks about it. And I I want to read it, and it's a little bit lengthy, okay? But, well, I'm just going to read it, okay? So it says, Testimony is the beginning of a pre... I'm sorry. Testimony is the beginning of and a prerequisite to continuing conversion. So testimony is a point of departure. It is not an ultimate destination. Strong testimony is the foundation upon which conversion is established. Okay, so the phrase that we're looking at is, and they were converted and never did fall away. So he says, testimony alone is not and will not be enough to protect us in the latter-day storms of darkness and evil in which we're living. Okay, so just keep that in mind. He then quotes the scripture that they never did fall away for they became a righteous people and they actually did lay down their weapons of war we haven't got there yet but they do do that and then he says two major elements are described in these verses one the knowledge of the truth which may be interpreted as a testimony right which we just talked about and two converted unto the lord which i understand to be conversion to the savior and his gospel thus the powerful combination of both testimony and conversion unto the Lord produced firmness and steadfastness and provided spiritual protection. They never did fall away and surrendered their weapons of rebellion that they did not fight against God anymore. So um, I just wanted to share that because it's important to know that they had a testimony, but then they were also converted, which is what keeps them strong in that persecution that's going to come upon them, right? Um, so yeah, I just had to reference Elder Bender's talk because I remember that from BYU-Idaho, actually, yeah. when I was up there. But yeah, they never did fall away. So that's something we can learn ourselves, right? We we can have a testimony, but it's important to be converted so that when those times come, we don't 
uh, stumble, right? Yeah, the first time. Or doubt. Yeah, the first time that I was introduced to this difference between a testimony and conversion mm -hmm. was also by Elder Bednar. <laughs> mm -hmm. There was a church clip, like a church video, in which he was talking, and it said he said he thought, and I'm paraphrasing. He says, "I think." almost every member of the church has a testimony. Mm -hmm. But I'm not so sure that every member of the church is converted. And he, he basically what you just said there, he, he differentiated there. And I want to go back to the scriptures in this verse 7. Also, he referenced, they did lay down their weapons of their rebellion. Um. And we also hear it as weapons of war, right? But weapons of rebellion. We, even faithful people, sometimes we rebel against God because of the natural man, because of our fallen nature, right? And I want to think about our weapons of rebellion. And beside that, I put down that these Lamanites, they, they laid down their sins and their false traditions, which caused them to sin, mm -hmm. right? And so a weapon of rebellion can be a false belief that you have of maybe how the world works. Or, you know, a great example, we, we had a, a financial class Several years back when we were engaged, mm -hmm. we took the church um, personal finance self-reliance class. And a brother in that class confided in the class that he didn't pay taxes mm. on his earnings from his, his like side job. Mm. And remember, yeah. he, he basically was like saying that, you know, hey, and, and I know that I can't go to the temple because I can't answer the question of whether or not I'm honest with my fellow men, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's fair what the government asked me to pay. Hmm. Right. I remember that. And it was kind of mind blowing, right. As, as you and I were, <laughs> I don't know, we, we were on the, we were on the covenant path. And we had a goal of getting to the temple to be sealed together. And so I think that may have caused us and, and other people around in, in that class also were like, wow, like I remember one brother mm -hmm. was, was kind of like, I don't know what he said, but he also expressed surprise that, that this. You shouldn't let this thought that you have keep you from going to the temple right because that's because it was a thought yeah. it was a, it was a false belief that was keeping him from growing closer to god yeah and it caught it was causing it was causing him to sin mm -hmm. right and so we can have all it's all, all along the spectrum like we have small ones we have ones uh, these false beliefs that, you know, 
maybe we feel like there's no no one gets hurt you know there's no victim um and then on the other end of the spectrum is there are victims in what we're doing because of a false belief um and it could be we could be the biggest victim <laughs> our families maybe our our future posterity or even our ancestors who are relying on us being that welding link in the chain of generations. So these people here in the, in the lands of the Lamanites, they saw a big picture. They knew they had to change Mm -hmm. and it was by faith and the miracle of the Holy ghost that they never did fall away. They, they didn't let these beliefs creep back in. Mm-hmm. I would even just add that it doesn't necessarily only have to be a belief. It can be your surroundings, mm-hmm. like even uh, things today. Like I remember my dad, when he joined the church, like he had a lot of, he had to let a lot of his friends go um, who weren't doing very good things mm-hmm. because he knew that if he didn't, um, he'd fall back into that path. Right. And he wanted better for himself. And what, what is a tradition other than just a behavior, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not just, you're right, it's not just beliefs. It's, it's behavior that you have, um, have exhibited in the past mm-hmm. or behavior that can creep in over time as maybe you let your guard down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I just want to point that out there. But yeah, they, they and, and in verse 8 it says, now these are they who were converted unto the Lord. And it actually lists a lot of people <laughs> and lands yeah. of people who are converted. Verses 9, 10, 11, 12. Actually. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. And, and then it goes through the names of the <clears throat> cities as well. But anyway. And if I could just say that the two off the bat that stood out to me was the people of the Lamanites who were in the land of Ishmael, which is King Lamoni's land, Mm -hmm. right? That's a no brainer (laughs) because we already know that they're on top of it, but also the people in Madonai who were very um, inhospitable to Aaron and his brethren, right? They were converted which is a miracle. (laughs) It's a good point. I didn't even, I just kind of read past it, but yeah, Yeah. that's a good one. Yeah. So they, they, like I said, they had a lot of success and we see that they did. Mm -hmm. Um, In verse 14, I thought this was interesting. It says, and the Amalekites were not converted, save only one. Neither were any of the Amulonites. But they did harden their hearts, and also their hearts of the Lamanites. I'm sorry, and also the hearts of the Lamanites. So they gathered more Lamanites in with them in that part of the land wheresoever they dwelt, and all their villages and their cities. So I don't really know, and I didn't look into this, but it says, and the Amalekites were not converted save only one. Mm -hmm. Who's that one? Do you know at all? Because I don't. And I'm, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. Like, if you don't know, you don't know. No. You don't know either. Yeah, okay, that's okay. Good study topic, <laughs> right? But I wonder, um, 
what that is. Maybe that's something to look into for sure. Well, and I, I wanted to just flex on my book of Mormon knowledge a little bit <laughs> uh, in lieu of, of not knowing who the one is. I don't know if we'll ever know, but we'll definitely keep that in mind as we read through the, the rest of the book of Mormon. Yeah. <clears throat> specifically the book of Alma, because that's where we'd probably find out. Um, but remember that the Amalekites are actually Nephites, but they've rebelled. They've dissented from the Nephite culture, uh, government, everything. So, and then the Amulonites, they are the descendants of the wicked priests of King Noah. And I, I know I mentioned that last episode, oh, maybe, I think. Yeah, maybe they're talking about Ammon then, because Ammon would have been, uh, he he's the one who ran away. Oh, Alma, I'm sorry. Alma the Younger ran away, right, mm. from King Noah. Is that who they're talking about, Save Only One? No. No? Okay, never mind. Because this is present day, and that was like years and years ago in the timeline. Yeah, but they could be looking back on the history mm. and saying, well, there's only one converted. But but no, the Amalekites, uh, Alma was not an Amalekite or a Malachite. But he was an Amulonite technically, right? Yeah, but it doesn't say. That's true. It's saying the Amalekites. Neither are. were any of the Amulonites save one. Gotcha. I'm not trying to like. No, no, no. Refute you or anything, but it's. No, this I, is good. I really don't this think. This is how we study scriptures. I really don't think it has. I don't think we we are going to know. I think the point of mentioning it is mm -hmm. that the Amalekites and the Amulonites um, were very hard of heart, and they really didn't have any success among them. But and then also, what's really interesting is that you know they they couldn't be content with just not believing they had to harden the hearts of those in their communities toward those who were changing their lives and and believing on the words that were taught so <laughs> just kind of like a just just an all-around bad attitude right yeah so that that if i can make a connection there's a lot of people and this is not true for everybody who leaves the church but most people who do leave the church then try to get other people to leave with them right kind of like the same type of attitude here um and i just had to point that out to draw a connection to the latter days in the book of mormon here but and that's not true for everybody because there could be some people listening to this who maybe have fallen away from the church or know people who have and they haven't done that at all right and that could be 100% true. I'm just saying I have seen it where most of the time people do try to drag people down with them. Um, same type of attitude thing here. Um, and it doesn't mean they're a bad person. It's just there's some beliefs here, right? So anyway. There is a saying that you can leave the church, but you can't leave it alone. Mm. And, yeah. I, you know, sure, I'll... I'll give you that that's not 100% true all the time. Yeah. But unfortunately, it kind of is. <laughs> a lot of the time, people are real quick to, and but, but this is human nature. Yeah. Human nature is 
when I have experienced something, I want to tell people about it. Right? Yeah. So. That's when you start little cue thing here for me. When that happens and people want to share something, I always try to look at the fruit that's produced from that event or whatever it is they're trying to share. Now, I'm not just talking about the church. I'm talking about anything. What kind of fruit is being produced, right? And I take that from the scripture. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it talks about fruit. Yeah, by their fruits. You shall know them. Thank you. Sure. I mean, I don't know what I'd do without you today, Kevin. My, my mind's been blinking and you've been catching me as I'm falling. No, no you're good. <laughs> Anyway, something that happens here at the end of the chapter is that as we've read these last two chapters, we know that there have been a lot of divisions, both geographical and cultural, Mm -hmm. among all these people. And I mean, the Nephites have retained their space, but man, Mormon really went into depth into all of the different divisions among the land uh, of the Lamanites. And now we have a pretty big division between all these cities and their people who converted Mm -hmm. and the cities that were not mentioned, because certainly there were many cities that we don't know about. And those are the cities that were not converted, Right. right? And the people are desirous that they might be distinguished from their brethren who have not converted to the gospel. Now, why would that be important? Well, they don't want to be remembered. I mean, that name, the names were given um, or made for a purpose to be separated originally Mm -hmm. from the Nephites, right? But now they don't want to be remembered by that anymore is what I would think. Yeah. And and it's like a new, new creature in Christ, right? Like they want a new Mm. kind of like a new start. And I think that comes with a a (laughs) rebranding or a renaming, right? (laughs) Sure. Of their people. Yeah. I, I would, I would agree with that. There's the intent is to, hey, we're, we're not Nephites, but we're not Lamanites. Can I read from the Book of Mormon Student Manual? Sure. Because the name that they give themselves is the Anti-Nephi-Lehites. Right. Right? And in the Book of Mormon Student Manual, it says, uh, what does the name Anti-Nephi-Lehi mean? Okay, so it says the name Anti-Nephi-Lehi could indicate the joining together of the descendants of Nephi and those who followed him with the other posterity of Lehi. Mm-hmm. It says the name anti or anti-Nephi-Lehi may be a reflex of the Egyptian N-T-Y is how they spell it, which means he of the one of. It says thus rather having the sense against it has the meaning the one of Nephi and Lehi. Right, because in in English, anti would mean like antagonist or against, but that's not what this... But this one means like the one of or he of, so meaning the one of Nephi and Lehi. Very cool. 
So sure, it, it references from the Book of Mormon reference companion study guide or something. So anyway, I had to throw that out there. No, I'm I'm glad you did. The and also they the people have to know as well that in recent history they did you know all the people who followed Nephi are called Nephites and all the people who didn't are called Lamanites mm. right all the people who are of the church of God are Nephites <laughs> the people <laughs> who are not of the church of God are Lamanites so it, it's again like like we're I mean I don't want to beat it to death but yeah I mean they this is why they thought it was important to have a name Mm-hmm. to distinguish themselves from the other Lamanites who did not, uh, well, were not converted. So something about these this people at the end here, it says, and they began to be very industrious people, and they were very friendly with the Nephites. <laughs> Therefore, they did open a correspondence with them. And the curse of God did no more follow them. So this curse of God was that a... That, uh, darkening of the skin right Mm -hmm. it's not the dark skin was not the curse but it was a way to differentiate right the people like we're talking about um the nephites from the highs so now that they've repented okay because the promise was that if they would repent and turn to god that that quote-unquote curse would be lifted and here we see fulfillment of god staying true to his word because he cannot lie um it's not god's nature that curse is lifted from them. And so I think that's just a really cool connection to see here in the Book of Mormon that God keeps his promises. Like what he says, God cannot lie. There's no, he, he is not, he will never lie to us. And so we see his promises being fulfilled here. And I think it's very easy to overlook because it's at the end of a chapter. And it's like, oh, and by the way, the curse is gone. To me, that's really significant. Like that promise that you will be, as long as you repent and come into him just like they did and are converted and have a testimony, they that promise is fulfilled. It's lifted. The curse is lifted. Absolutely. I, I also made the connection here with a fulfillment of prophecy. Mm-hmm. And you can follow the footnote back to Second Nephi chapter 30, mm-hmm. verses 5 and 6. And I want to read it. It says, and the gospel of Jesus Christ shall be declared among them, meaning the descendants of Lehi. Um, and also, well, everybody, <laughs> but specifically those who would be called Lamanites. Wherefore, they shall be restored unto the knowledge of their fathers and also to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, which was had among their fathers. And then shall they rejoice for they shall know that it is a blessing unto them from the hand of God, and their scales of darkness shall begin to fall from their eyes, and many generations shall not pass away among them, save they shall be a pure and a delightsome people. This is not the only time, like this This is not a, oh, prophecy was fulfilled. These are the people specifically that are being talked about. That can continue to occur. Mm-hmm. And it does later on in third Nephi mm-hmm. and it's happening today. Yeah. I will say though, the, the, the curse of the skin is not happening today. Like that, that differentiation, that part that was talked about. Well, no, that's not happening. 
but the scales of darkness of falling from their eyes and all the other things are happening. Yeah. I mean, obviously nobody's the, the darkness of skin, but the darkness of skin was never the curse. It was the loss of, it was the loss of the Holy Ghost Ghost and the priesthood and all those things. Right. Yeah. So I don't even, I don't even reference the skin of darkness though. I mean, that was, we, we well, had the it was opportunity. just part of it was just part of because if you do reference it, it does say later in Third Nephi that their skin becomes white like unto the Nephites, and I never want that to get discombobulated. Sure, that's why I've only said it. Yeah, and I mean this was this was something that was happening, you know, among a people. We actually had the the chance to listen to a pretty legit podcast. Oh with, yeah, um, it was John Elder, by the way. Yeah, it was John by the way, but he had on was it Elder Corbridge? No. No, it was Elder Colton, I think was his name. I mean, I can look it up. But the point is, is that he had had some amazing insights Mm -hmm. on this whole, the whole skin of darkness and how, like, what what did that really mean? And And how it was specific to those people at that time. Right. It was a, it was very specific to those people. And, you know we've talked about it as well that the Lord is going to communicate with people according to their traditions and their culture. Somehow this, uh, darkness of skin was a way for the people to, to distinguish one another as being of the church and not of the church. Um, it's not the only time that the Lord has, you know, through some means put a mark on people. Uh, there was a mark placed on people in, uh, in the Genesis account. Mm-hmm. So, and we have to remember that the Book of Mormon is very much an Old Testament era record. And so the Lord is going to converse and engage with his people in that time in Old Testament ways right because (laughs) that's what they understood um for it to be modified to today's culture and understanding um would actually put some doubt in my mind as to the office authenticity of the book of mormon right Mm -hmm. um but anyway i did want to give a shout out to that podcast follow him a come follow me podcast it's with hank smith and john by the way pretty big names out there in the um, Latter-day Saint community. And yes, it was their their discussion on official declarations one and two with Brother Corbett. Mm, it was close. So we were both real close, yeah, but we were. I think you were actually closer than me. But yeah, that actually... Great podcast. Really good podcast. It's part two of their podcast and... I mean, I don't, I don't normally say this, not because I think that you should only be listening to our podcast, but, <laughs> oh, and we talk about Jared's un, Unshaken Saints all the time too, yeah. but uh, if you haven't checked out this one, they have like, they have a general authority on there almost every week. <laughs> and uh, so it's, it's like general conference part two. Yeah. You know? And you guys know how much we like general conference because we have a podcast on that too (laughs) yeah so 
Shout out to conference talk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess in closing, um, because that is the, that's, that's the end of the chapter, the end of the chapter, but I did want to talk about, um, they began to be a very industrious people. Tell me why I wanted to bring that up too. Because it's, it is significant. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, the Lamanites have been described as idle people, kind of lazy. Like they, they just take advantage of their neighbors. They'll just steal things. And back in verse in chapter 22, it talks about how the more idle part of the Lamanites were kind of just in the, they didn't really build anything. They were kind of just in the wilderness and tents. Right. Right. So just to prove your point, but keep going. And a hallmark of the covenant, the Lord's covenant people is that they're hard workers. The Lord loves effort. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're ma- they're doing better for themselves than before. They're taking more responsibility and all of these things compound to live a more Christ-centered life. One with less, less uh, focus on self and more focus on community or a, a team or something like that. So. They have a common cause. Yeah. In the cause of Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyway, well, next week we'll be on uh, chapter 24 in Alma. And it's pretty, it's actually a pretty longer chapter, but we will be there. And I'll, I actually don't know. I haven't read ahead. Oh, it's about the anti, oh, well, the Lamanites come against the people. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Yeah, what what I was referring to earlier yeah. in this episode, the oppression and um, the, the trials that will come upon these anti-Nephi-Lehi's as a result of their desire to come closer to Christ. Like, mm, This sp- is going to be a beautiful oh, yeah. chapter. Wow. Yeah. You guys should read this ahead of time. Read on um, um, chapter 24 so you can see their, their true conversion here. Yeah. Anyway, that's my invitation. And also all the other invitations we left you, the podcast to listen to, the two uh, talks to read. Yep. Go go do it all. We just filled your week with studies, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's all we got for you. Anything okay. else, Kev? Nope. All right. Well, Thank, thanks for listening, y'all, and we'll talk to you next time. Adios. Thank you.